the day the Lord has made, you should rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, it is so good to see each and every one of you. Good morning and welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. If you're joining us by visiting this morning, we want to welcome you. Ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you, place an offering plate as it comes around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us and experience what God is doing in Copper Cove, Texas. Well, there's a lot happening at Robertson Avenue. I want to invite you to see that. Number one, if you'll take a look at your bulletin, you'll find that we have an insert this week. And that insert's our Operation Sister Scott information coming up on the workshop. So we want to invite you to see that. It's going to be August 19th, 10 a.m. in the children's area. Come and discover all the events and activities planned for this year. So that's going to be 10 a.m. over in the children's church. Mr. BJ is going to head that up. If you have more questions, she'll be happy to answer those and grab her after service. Ask her all about that. Or you can take this insert and read about it and find out a little bit more on your own. All right. With that being said as well, uh, what's happening today? Well, today we have a lot of things going on. After services today at 4 o'clock, we have a ministry team meeting over in the ministry office. Uh, at 4.30, we'll have our choir practice in the choir room. Next 6 o'clock, we'll have our evening worship. We're immediately following our evening worship. We're going to have an ice cream fellowship. You are invited to be a part of that. That two is going to be in the... Yes, praise the Lord. Go ahead and give him a round of applause. What is not to like about Rocky Road, amen? <laughs> Come and be a part of that. Uh, that's going to be back in the children's area at 7, 7, 15, somewhere around there. Come and do that. Pray with us. Pray with our kids as we celebrate their return to school. And pray for our teachers as they're the ones who are really going to have their nerves on in this year. Amen. So be in prayer for the teachers. Be in prayer for those kids to be a safe and productive year for them. So please, please, please uh, show up there. Pray with us for that and pray for your children. Now back to the back of the sanctuary. Speaking of our back to school bags or ice cream fellowship, you'll notice we have a large red school bus directly behind you to my left. Uh, if you'll look on that school bus, you'll find that there are pictures of some of our students uh, that are here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. If you will, prayerfully consider grabbing one of those pictures. That means you're going to commit to pray for them through the school year for that student or that teacher. Grab them, pray for them, and then let them know every now and then that you are praying for them so they don't feel discouraged and they don't feel left out. So grab one, pray for them, and commit to pray through the school year for that. So that's back there on our school bus, big red school bus in there. All right. Uh, also, with that being said, we do have some upcoming events happening. Uh, I want to remind you this Saturday, Men's Prayer Breakfast at 7 a.m. I want to remind you that administrative team meeting this Saturday at 10.30. And, of course, uh, next week, next Saturday, excuse me, Sunday evening, we'll have a quarterly business meeting. So at 6 o'clock next Sunday evening, quarterly business meeting. So please be in prayer about those things. I think that's it for upcoming announcements. Other than if you'll get online and take a look, you'll find that we have a brand new Bible study starting up. One of the ladies is starting a new Bible study. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up out there in the foyer. Uh, also, there's a... a class is opening for men and women, and this class is on sharing your faith, on how to do that, called the way of the master, sharing your faith, witnessing the way Jesus did, and that's going to start here soon, the books are $4.50, if you're interested in that, please go ahead and sign up, you can do that at rebcco.org, you can click on there, take it straight to your registration page, and be a part of that, so interesting classes coming up, this one's only eight weeks long, so it's a new, new, new class to be taught by pastors, so please, please. Come and be a part of that. All right. Um, I think we have Operation Sister Child video. We'll do that here in just a second. And unless there's any other announcements I've forgotten, and it's possible I have, 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer and after we pray, we please rise and welcome one another. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, how thank you for today. I thank you for your love and for your peace, Lord, and I pray the Holy Spirit right now to still each and every heart. It's our prayer, Lord God, that if there be anyone that needs to come to know you, trust the Lord and that today would be that day. Lord, Lord, if there be anyone that are hurting, Lord, and you get touched from you, the next day you today they feel you, Lord, and know that you're with them. We pray for those that are out traveling, Lord, to keep them safe and bring them safe back to us, and for those, Father God, that are homesick and not feeling really well. Ask you, Lord God, to let them know their love and their faith, Lord, and to bring them safely back to you. Know what is now to our time of worship. May your name be glorified. May we worship you in truth and spirit, and may we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Please rise and welcome one another.
shoeboxes over there, overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. Oh, look at how much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoeboxes. They are so happy. Every box is important. Every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about His Son, Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of your parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? Every year we see tens of thousands of children disciples. And we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes. Thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes.
What a blessing that is. If you turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. firm believer that out of the mouth of babes comes perfect praise. And I believe that there is nothing sweeter than when a child says, praise the Lord, or a child says, let's go to God in prayer. And as a father, nothing has been greater in my life than when one of my children has come to me and said, Dad, let's pray. Dad, I'm hurting. Pray for me. That's been the greatest thing that's ever happened besides meeting Jesus and besides marrying my wonderful wife. And my children came and said, Dad, pray for me. How this morning's message is God's point. We have poets in our congregation. I'm not going to give you his name, though I expect you to know who he is. He's a wonderful poet, and he does a lot of cowboy style poets, western style poets. Poetry there, he is amazing. And as I looked into today's message, I couldn't help but remember the poetry I was given the privilege of being able to read. Poetry and what a blessing it is. Poetry, however, is something that I am not gifted in. No matter how hard I try, with it comes a rhyme and a meter and measures that I just, well, let's be honest with you, I have no rhythm. You've probably seen me dancing in the choir loft and I'm bumping the other people in. <laughs> I don't have a lot of uh, rhythm, but I, I love it. I do. I love it. And I wish that I had been gifted like that. Uh, but when I think about poems, I think about artists. If I think about artists, I think about masterpieces. So if you're with me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the title of this morning's message is, of course, God's poem. Let's look at some artwork if we're going to look at masterpieces this morning. And these are straight up masterpieces. Let's look at the you might know what that one is. Mona Lisa, you might know who painted it. Da Vinci, very good. Who's going to say Leonardo? Yeah, someone's got to be Michelangelo. Da Vinci. How about this one? Whistler's mother. Whistler painted it. Masterpiece. That's what most of us think when we see this. Masterpiece. How about these, though? These are some of the more modern. Some of you say, well, that's, I know the title of that one. That's, I spilled my mustard. <laughs> what about this one? You know what that one looks like to me? And I'm not here to make fun of his artwork. I, I think he's a, a, a genius. Uh, but that one reminds me of the last uh, napkin I had at Taco Bell. This one, 
Not the Costos, also called. Yes, he's actually on. Sometimes his genius comes in. Interesting. What do you see in that? Look with me in Ephesians 2, verse 10. The Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Let us go to the Lord. Father in heaven. Come to now, Jesus' name. I just want to thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord God, your word has been alive in our hearts, Lord. That if ever anyone who needs to come to know you, accept your Lord and Savior, and let's save you that day. Anyone, Father God, needs to get their walk right with you, let's save you that day. Lord, I'm asking you to take thoughts. I'm asking you to be terrified. I'm asking you to speak to us as we look into your word and pray. So, Father God, I've been asked to pray for the wise and the fire of the Lord. So I'm asking you, Lord, to do a mercy to you. But most of all, Father God, to see that terrible ordeal that every one of those who are affected by Created in Christ Jesus for good work. As God prepared before us, we should walk in workmanship. That word conveys so much meaning. His workmanship. We might think of it as God is working in us, and He is. God is working on us, and He is. In fact, you see that famous old quote that a lot of preachers put on their desk and say, Patient! Still a work in progress. I'm still working on this. Or perhaps you've seen some of those other statements out there that says, God is turning me into his workman. Well, the truth is, God is working on God is working in each and every one of us. Different rates, different stages, different places. Some of us are deep into Christianity. Some of us are beginning Christianity. Some of us have went far in Christianity and then walked away because of alcohol, pornography, tobacco, drugs, anger, misunderstanding. Some of us began to realize our relationship with God didn't exist at all. But we had a relationship with church with church teaching. I'm going to go ahead and speak to that right now. If I may, if you're here build a relationship with church people, you're here for the wrong reason. You should be here because you have a personal relationship with God Almighty. If you don't have that relationship, then you are lost. You don't know Him. So those that know Him are His fortune. God is working in Now, in order to understand that verse a little better, we must explore Say, read it to me, Josh, for a dollar of it. <laughs> so it's a really interesting verse. Somebody said it's Greek to me, Good. It's prepared beforehand, God, that every man will walk. 
hour basis in this translation. God has said them beforehand. God has already set it out for us. God has already had a course plotted for us. In other words, when you become a Christian, God has got a plan for you. God has got an order for you. God has got a way you should walk, a place you should walk in. He's got somewhere for you to be. Well, we forget that sometimes. We think when we become Christians, well, we're like free range chickens. Wait for someone to call us in in the evening time for feeding. Wrong. God has prepared a place for us to be. He's prepared a job for us to do. He has a plan for you to walk in. Now, we get caught up, though, in those plans, and we get caught up in those purposes and those ways. We get what He's working on. That's really what we want to focus on this morning. We are His workmanship. That word, workmanship. Started out early saying it conveys so much, it conveys thoughts that we. Right? If you were to get deeper into that Greek word, you know what I mean? It means master. You are God's master. You are when you become a Christian. What about before I'm a Christian? Am I God's master? Nope. You're broken. You're strong. You're sinful. Dirty. Don't get mad at me. But when you become a Christian, you become God's So you could say, we are God's masterpiece within Christ Jesus. I think that's a perfect, wonderful translation. That's exactly what the Greek text says. When you become a Christian, you become God's masterpiece. You know what the big deal is? Do you know? Why? That's something so perfect. Now, we've heard about that before. We've heard all kinds of preaching on that, teaching on that. When you become a Christian, then you become God's apple of His eye. You become God's treasure. You become God's peculiar people, right? We've heard this preaching before. We know all about it. It's wonderful. It's good. It's true. But did you know there's something in that? In the beginning, we were all Genesis 127. The Bible tells us that God created man in his own image. In God's own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, we need to understand this snapshot, a broad view of what God does through the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, or the first man and first woman. And this is a picture, it's a general statement that God made man, male and female, in his own image. Sounds like Shalom, doesn't it? Salim. What does it mean? It means sex. Sex. It means idol. It means statue like this. What statue is that? Do you know? And who carved that one? Hey, we got that one right. Amen. Notice that I sent the gem from Seth Rock. Ah, that's right. We are in a Baptist church, after all. <laughs> Here's my deal, though. We're made in His image, a statue, a masterpiece, a work of art. But something, 
something happened because some of you also today masterpieces you said before, but something happened to that masterpiece. Something came in the way that put a big crack right down the middle of that masterpiece. That put a big stain in that masterpiece. That took spray paint and added to it. Can you imagine? Somebody went into one of those wonderful museums where those fine masterpieces have been hanging for years and years and years, and they took with them paint and a toothbrush. And they walked by each and one and decided, I'm going to add a mustache on the Mona Lisa. I'm going to add glasses on Whistler's mother. And they would say, that enhances the beauty. However, you would say, you saw it. What happened when we God's masterpieces in the beginning. We decided to add to it. We decided to add to it, and incidentally, we ended up becoming flawed and broken. The Bible calls that sin. When we stepped out of God's will, we stepped out of God's way, and perhaps you know what I'm talking about this morning. If you're joining us online, and you say, Pastor, you are reading my mail. You know exactly what I mean when I'm talking about when I added to it. I was something good, something wonderful was happening, and I added my own thoughts. I went after my own heart's desire. I went after my own lust, and I ended up ruining my marriage. I ended up ruining my relationship. I ended up ruining my job, my career. I ruined everything I had because I added that describe you? Do you know who I'm talking to this morning? Good one goes to say, Pastor, you're talking to me. And I can praise God because I'm talking to everybody in the world. Every one of us decided somewhere down the line that we were right and that God was wrong and that God didn't know what he's talking about. Incidentally, that is what the fight is right now in the year 2023. We think that the sin is racism. The sin isn't racism. The sin is that we have forgotten that Jesus Christ is the maker of all mankind. If we would get back to that, there would be no such thing as racism. Because we'd all be one blood, one body, one bride, with one baptism, with one Lord Jesus Christ. If we get back to that, I have to say, Pastor, my sin is out. God, I love this more. And you did exactly what God did. See, God made us into images. And what you did is you took that sin, whatever it may be, alcohol, pornography, drugs, anger, racism, hatred, whatever that sin is, you took it and you said, I love it more than you. You became an idol. You made it into an image. And you added to God's Became broken, it became stained. It came to the point where you didn't want to go into a museum and see it because it shows exactly who what you are. Perhaps now we begin to understand why people who claim they walk with the Lord and when they fall back into sin, they say, the last place I want to go is to a church. Because they're looking at me, they're not looking at you. You're looking at me. And you see what you did. You wrong. However, I want to remind you that we are God's masterpieces. And originally, God had a plan for us to reflect Him, to show Him, to be His image, to be His image bearers. And somewhere down the line, though, we, no matter what we are, no matter who we are, how good we think we are, we have some sort of flaw on that master. 
Let's look again in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. Say it with me. We are His workmanship. Now look at the rest of it. Created in Christ. This isn't the first original creation. This is being reborn. This is being remade. This is being renewed. Created in Christ. And so that tells us this morning that if you, as God's broken masterpiece, need to be reborn, you can be made new in Jesus Christ. For we are His workmanship created in Christ. Is understanding the picture here? You can become a masterpiece. You can reflect God again. You can be looked at as somebody who has the image of God. You know, God's workmanship means a lot more than that. That word in Greek is poema. We get our word point from it. That's right, point. I love poetry, as I said before. I have some favorite poets, and I could quote a few for you, so you probably wouldn't like the poetry I quote. I'm not talking about those little third and fourth grade poems we used to do out there. I'm talking about wonderful poems. I like William Shakespeare. I read him often. I read his plays. I love his poetry. I love how he describes his wife. He says, my mistress's hair is like big black water. I love those poems. I love Wordsworth. Thank you, Brent. This is a favorite poet from the one who talked about her heart. I had a hard time expressing what my heart feels. And I'm being strong sometimes to share the greatest love. One is out of South America. And I invite you to look up his name later on. He says about his wife, he says, I love her because I know no other way. I love her because there's no other way for me to live. No other way for me to be so close to her that when she closes her eyes, I'm the one falling asleep. Poetry. Beautiful. Expressive. Masterpiece. You are God's poema. In other words, you are God's poem. God has written on you in Jesus Christ. He has taken you and that's the Now the Bible tells us that we were created though for good works. And boy, we could spend a long time talking about what it means to be a Christian doing good works. Can I be honest? Well, I need to be honest with you. Let me go ahead and share it with you. As a Christian, we don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. We're created for those good works. And because we are saved, we can't help but do it. It's proof that you are saved. In fact, if you aren't doing good work, you should ask yourself right now, am I truly saved? Because you're created for it. Part of God's plan. If you are truly saved, you are created for it, destined for it, to be doing those works. We can talk about what those works are. Oh, number one, pastor's favorite, evangelism. You want to go to Walmart with me? I'm going to witness to somebody. You want to go to the Kareem Mall with me? I'm going to embarrass you. Praise God. Come on. <laughs> you want, to go to, want to go to the hospital with me? I'm going to stop you every five seconds and leave a gospel track somewhere. 
I may go to the depths and say to somebody, do you need to Let me tell you something. We're created for good works. You know, when I was young and in the ministry, and I pray God brings us back to me, when I was young and in the ministry, you can talk to my wife about this. Sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would cry out to God. I'd say, where are they, Lord God? Tell me where to go. Are they in the hospitals? Are they in the restaurants? And I'd get up 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and I would drive to those red light diners, you know, the ones that would stay open for the drunks coming back from the club. And I would stand on the table in Brownwood, Texas, in the restaurants and preach to those that were coming off of the alcohol. Years. There was times I would cry out and I'd run up to the hospital not knowing who was there. And I would go to the nursing station and I would say, where are they? Show me who needs Jesus. I hear God's point. If you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, then, well, you a piece of paper with writing on it. Perhaps your poetry isn't quite so pretty. Quite so lovely. Perhaps your poetry would sound something like this. Roses are red and white are to be. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. However, I love the picture that we are created for good works. I love the picture that God is writing on our lives. It's almost as if we become God's heart. For his masterpiece. For him to write on. So look with me through the New Testament this morning. Quickly now. See how that Having been perfected, the Bible says, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Did you catch that at the end of verse 9? All who obey him. He became the author of that. He is the one who does the writing. He's the one who writes it down. Not us. What we've got to do is become sheets of paper willing to let him write on. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you a piece of paper that will show the writing of God? If you were to take a look at the Bible you hold in your hands and you were to look at it, you would say, Pastor, I can read the writing. It's in black and white there. The white pages and the black letters. I can read it. But what if the pages were all black? You know why you've got to be clean and holy? Because that's what shows the Word of God. It doesn't mean that's what your God He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey. Look with me in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author of eternal salvation. Incidentally, to follow along with that thought, that we're God's masterpiece, his living point, the Apostle Paul writes in Church of Corinth. He tells them in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, You are our Christian, written in our hearts, Known and read by all men. Let me put a modern day translation on that for you. You are the living epistle. You're God's letter everywhere you go. You're God's poem that everybody's reading you. You ever heard that old saying before? Your life is the only Bible some people will ever read. You ever heard that one before from St. Francis of Assisi? 
He said, and I quote, Preach the gospel. And if you must, use words. You are his living epistle. You are his masterpiece, his poem. And right now, if you would look at the picture, what would be on God's masterpiece is written for good parts. So we are the parts and Jesus is the Word God is right. That's my particular heart belief. The Word and the poem He writes on it is simply Jesus. The name above all names. The name under which there is no other name under heaven that men might be saved. It's the name that every knee will bow before. It is the name that every tongue will confess that He is Lord. It is the name that devils tremble by. It is the name that demons are cast out by. It is the name that brings healing. The name that brings love. It's the name that brings peace. It's the name that brings security. It is the name above all names. And I believe following this thought. We are His point. We are His masterwork. Jesus is the Word. God writes on the book of me in John 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, the Word, God wants to write on us. The Word becomes flesh. And He shows us what that masterpiece is supposed to look like. And He shows us what love really is. And He shows us what good works really are. And we begin to realize that God is the master work. And He's making in us a masterpiece. Let's talk about masterpieces for a second. I don't know about you, but I wasn't quite impressed by Mr. Pollock's work. Some of you would agree with me. Some of you say, I really like it. Yeah, it's okay. I don't understand it. That's why I don't like it. I don't understand it at all. To me, I had plenty of children that made scribbles like that that I hung up on the refrigerator door and I said, Look at Daddy's masterpiece! And then two weeks later, it went trash. Amen? Right? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I had other ones, too, where they drew their heart out and it looked good and looked fine. You could tell what it was, but it still was a masterpiece. Have you seen those where they drew the family dog? They drew mom and dad and all their brothers, and you put it on the fridge and say, that's beautiful, and you put it in your family album. You keep forever and ever and ever, but you never, ever, ever put it up in the museum saying, this is a masterpiece. Understand when God makes us in his master. He begins working. That work requires things. That work requires action. That work If you were to look on Betsy's hand, you'd find there are two diamond rings. Diamond came with black. But there's a key to that. And those diamonds could not be made unless there was pressure put on that coat. If you were to look inside of Betsy and my wedding album, if you were to take a look through the years at our little keepsake drawers, you'd find a hundred thousand love letters from me to her. Many of them all over the place. The boys and I 
yesterday started laying a, a new floor in, in our bedroom. And the boys were moving furniture. And they were pulling up pieces of paper and things out of drawers and out of boxes. And they started unfolding them. Don't read them. Don't you look at that. Dad, from me to your mom, or from your mom to me. And it's a masterpiece. Through the years, paper became faded, old, fingerprints, some of a couple of lipsticks here and all that stuff. Amen. Love my wife. Here's the deal. You become God's masterpiece when you let Him work on you, when you let Him write on you. He saw the statue of David. There was a time it was just a big block of marble, and the master worker took his chisel and took his hammer and took his little knives and his saws, and he chiseled and he cut and he sawed and he sanded, and he wept sometimes and he cried sometimes, and sometimes he was frustrated over it. However, in the end, it was a perfect masterpiece. And let me tell you something, Christian. If you are truly a Christian this morning, there's times you're going to be weeping. There's times you're going to be crying. There's times you're going to not understand what God is doing. There's times when He's going to be erasing. and times He's going to be rewriting. and times that you don't quite understand what He's writing down. But in the end, you're going to be God's masterpiece. In order to do that, God's got to do some erasing. You've got to do some serious erasing because there is some handwriting. You can talk about how much God loves you all day long. You can talk about how good God is all day long. You can sing all those wonderful praise songs all day long. But we got a major problem. And that problem is handwriting. It's written and it's there. And if it's written, you know it has to be paid for. All the years I spent working in the prison system, one of the things we would tell each other is if it wasn't written down, it did not I want you to know when it comes to God, it was written down. Look with me in Colossians 2 and verse 14. God has to erase something. Look with me in Colossians 2 14. To make us his masterpieces, to make us his poems, he's got to erase the paper. And this is what he has to erase. Verse 14 says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. What's he talking about? He's talking about that law. That law that says you can't steal, you can't kill, you can't commit adultery, you can't lie, you can't cut. He's talking about that law that each and every one of us now, if we were to look at our papers, has a smear. There's the smear of adultery, the smear of lust, the smear of alcoholism, of anger, of racism, of hatred, the anger problem. So there's no trace of it, no stain of it. Not one person can look at it and say, there it used to be. No, no, no. It's gone forever. Paying for it with his own blood. He said, I will go for you. I will die for you. And I will make you brand new. the church at Colossae. The church at Colossae had begun to realize, oh my goodness, 
We need to become more law-like. We need to become more Jewish-like. And Paul said, no, no, no. You don't need to be Jewish. You need to be Christian. He said, you need to be forgiven. You need to understand that in the cross, the law comes to an end. And when you try to add to God's masterpiece, it's an insult. Remember, what God's point. And he erased our past work right He is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher. He's not only the one that starts out there writing Jesus. He's not only the one that writes on that paper Jesus. He's the one that writes down at the end. Look with me in Romans 10.4. Now we're coming to an end for our message here this morning. But look with me in Romans 10.4. We are God's masterpiece. And that masterpiece requires that our papers get erased and that God writes something new on there. And we know what He wrote. He wrote, paid for by Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, made new by the power of Jesus Christ, given new life, new birth, given new meaning, given a new reason by Jesus Christ. Look at me in Romans 10, 4. The Apostle Paul talks to the church in Romans. And oftentimes we look at the book of Romans as that great treatise of faith that it is. That great treatise that says why we are saved, how we get saved, who saves us, and what happens. Look at me in Romans 10, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, The Christ is the end of the law for us. When we try to add to the righteousness that comes by Jesus Christ, what we're doing is taking a paintbrush and going to the Mona Lisa, to Whistler's mother, going to Michelangelo's, going to the statues, going to every place we can, and adding mustache and back. Anything else we want to become an insult. You can't add to God's finished law. You can't even begin to add to it. Christ fulfilled all the law. Listen to me now. He fulfilled it perfectly and completely. And then He put it away. As example, I want to give to you the master worker who creates that masterpiece. And He puts it on the shelf or He puts it in the museum as a complete, finished project. As a picture, He puts it aside saying, this is perfectly done. Christ's work on the cross fulfilled the law. And God put it away as being perfectly done. And no one can add to it. Not one. And anyone tries to add to the law of the Lord? It's wrong. And it's new. Because Jesus hated all. Do you know the song? Jesus hated all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it. However, when we talk about God's perfect work, God's perfect coin He writes on us, making us His coin. Everywhere we go, they can read the beauty of the love of God, read the good works, and read what God has done in us. We get tempted. Now, in the Reformation period, Martin Luther had rediscovered the bold paradox of the Apostle Paul. That justification by faith, something rose up. It was a real danger. He said, Pastor, what is antinomianism? Antinomianism is the saying, there is no law. 
there is no law, and I'll just live by grace, and I can do whatever I want, however I want to do it. Hey, I'm once saved, always saved. I can go rob banks. I can go commit adultery. I can go smoke marijuana. I can go do anything I want to do. That's called anti-nomianism. In fact, it remains a danger whenever Christians forget the the paradox. The forgiveness from God's side is pure grace. We don't earn God's love, nor does He ask us to do it. But forgiveness from God is given enough. You see, if He has forgiven me, then I must live like I am forgiven. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When I live in a state of forgiveness, then my body will it will reflect forgiveness. State of being a forgiven sinner brings with it a great moral demand. I live in a state of forgiveness in my own life because I was created for good works. We live in a state of forgiveness. And I want you to go back with me to Ephesians 2 and verse 2. We are Created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared before him that he should walk. You are one of those today who say, Pastor, I need to have my feet in there. For God can write his masterwork on you. Are you willing to come and have Jesus in your heart? Or perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I have left the state of forgiveness. God can live in the state of antinomia. You willing to come this morning to repent? Get it right with Jesus. In fact, you say, Pastor, I am right with Jesus. I am a Christian. I need a church family. I need a place to worship. I need a place to serve because I am created. In Jesus. You willing to come this morning? Or perhaps God is calling you and you are a Christian and you are a member of the church. It's time for me to follow through in baptism. Whatever the case may be, we're going to give you an opportunity to come. We're going to close in a word of prayer. If he has spoken to you, I'm going to ask you to humble yourself. Come this morning. Ask God to do a work in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And oh, how I thank you for this day. And I want to thank you for your word. And it's my prayer, Lord God, that each and every one of us will surrender our hearts to you right now. Lord. Do a work in us. Write your poem on us so we might be your master. So we might give our hearts and our lives. Take charge of Be glorified. Be magnified.
Pray for you, pray for your family, ask you to get involved in everything about him and his business. And come and be a part of that. I do become the ice cream of Pastor. Amen. <laughs> come and be a part of that and grow in grace and goodness. And let's see what God does with you. Let's see how you go, God. And I can't wait to see you back there in that bank street stand. So, blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. Thank you, Mr. Well, let's close in that word of prayer, but I want to remind you guys tonight, uh, services after you have your ice cream fellowship. Come and be a part of that. Let's close that word of prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Russell.